Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. As we, went, as we go through the Old Testament right now, as we're reading through that together as a church, we'll come across passages like we're looking at today. And I tell you what, it sounds like a really interesting story that took place a long time ago, but I'm telling you, it's about the blood of Jesus Christ and the fact that He can save sinners and that God sent Him to be the sacrificial lamb, all these other types of prophecies, typical prophecies we see in the Old Testament that point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of things we're going to read about, especially in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, a lot of these rules and feasts and celebrations and regulations and all these different things that sound so weird to us, matter of fact, though, they're still celebrated and recognized today by our Jewish friends. They sound strange, but it so clearly, as we'll see, points to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Last week, we began looking at the life of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And we talked about Moses' encounter with God on the mountain with the, in the burning bush. And God gave Moses this command to go back to Egypt, where you came from. Go back to Egypt. You're going to be the one to uh, bring my people, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, and into freedom. And Moses is a little hesitant at first, but long story short, let me bring you up to speed, Moses does just that. He goes back to Egypt. He asks Pharaoh to let the people go. And, of course, Pharaoh says no, but Moses urges him. said, let my, God wants his people to be released, to go not so they can be free, but so they can go and worship him. And Pharaoh says something really interesting. We're going to talk more about this tonight when you come back tonight. He says... Who is the Lord? I don't know the Lord. Why should I obey Him? Is essentially what he says. Well, God's going to show Pharaoh who he is. But Moses tries to convince him. And God has to remind Moses of his promise because Pharaoh, instead of letting the people go, makes the work all that much harder for God's people. And God reminds Moses, he says, Tell the people... Remind the people, I am the Lord. That Pharaoh wants to know who I am. Tell the people, I am Yahweh. I am the, the God of their father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I'm going to bring you out of this. And it may not be immediately. It may not be right now. You're probably going to have some doubts as you go through the process. How many people have been there? But God says, remember my promise and watch my power. And so from there, God begins, if, you've done your, if you do your reading this week, God begins to enact these ten plagues upon the Egyptians. And you all know this story, of the flies and the frogs and the bulls and all these other things. And at every step of the way, God gives Pharaoh the opportunity to repent and let his people go. But every time, Pharaoh says no, and his heart gets harder and harder. And so God says... I want to bring one more plague 
on these people. It's going to be severe. It's going to cause them a lot of pain. But after this, Moses, they will let you go. And not only that, they're not only going to let you go, they're going to want you to go. They're going to give you silver and gold and all of their stuff to get you out of here. But it's going to be so severe, and this is so important, what I'm going to show the, the world for generations, that I need you and my people to do some preparations beforehand. Because my judgment, he says, is going to be so strict that if you don't do this, if you're not ready, then you're going to be punished right alongside the Egyptians. Doesn't matter that you're an Israelite. Doesn't matter that you are of the seed and lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It doesn't matter what tribe of Israel you belong to. It doesn't matter if you're a good guy, Moses, or if you're a good gal. I'm going to show the world for generations to come that the only way you're getting through this, that the only hope for mankind from here on out against my judgment is nothing but the blood. Let's look at Exodus chapter 12. This has got to be one of the most important passages of Scripture in the Bible, certainly in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 12 says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be the beginning of months for you. It's the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families, one animal per family. If the household is too small for a whole animal, that person and the neighbor nearest his house are to select one based on the combined number of people. You should apportion the animal according to to what each will eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old male. You may take it from either the sheep or the goats. And so, again, from here, God's Word through these next several books of the Bible are going to give us a lot of really, I, would, I don't want to say odd, but interesting things that He tells His people to do. Like I said, a lot of laws, a lot of rules, a lot of different sacrificial things, but it all carries over today. And, and, and it's even, you know, like we were in Israel not too long ago, the, the conservative Jews still adhere to every little bit of the law in the Old Testament. But for us, it helps us understand better who Jesus is, what Jesus did. Just by looking at this old system. It's all a picture of the work of Christ. And here God begins by giving them a calendar to go by. He tells them this is going to be your new year. It's when it's going to be celebrated. And then he begins to give them instructions to take a lamb or the kid of a goat. And he says, <clears throat> unless your household is too small. Now isn't that interesting? He doesn't mention anything about the household being too big. The household may be too small for the lamb, but the lamb's never going to be too small for the household. You know what I'm saying? He says, you may have to share with your neighbors, but you need to understand the lamb is, is always, always, always going to be sufficient. No matter how many people, no matter how much sin is in your life or in your household, the lamb and the blood of the lamb are going to be 
enough. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, he says, You are to keep it, the lamb, until the 14th day of this month. And then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses where they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over the fire. Its head as well as its legs and inner organs. You must not leave any of it until morning. Any part of it left until morning you must burn. And here's how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel. Your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. And so essentially they're supposed to take this perfect lamb or this perfect kid of the goat and they're supposed to sacrifice it. They're literally supposed to kill it at a certain time of day. And then God says to take the blood from this lamb and, and, and essentially paint the doorpost of your house and the, the beam across the top, the lintel across the top, so that your whole doorway is outlined by the blood of this lamb. And then they were to take that meat that was left, and they are supposed to roast it, and they were supposed to eat it, totally cooked, roasted over the fire, not raw, not uh, boiled in water, roasted over the fire, and eat every single bit of it. And you think about how that relates to the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God that the perfect lamb, the lamb of God, was sacrificed for us. And, and remember Jesus. He was the perfect lamb. John said, behold the lamb of God. He was sinless. He was spotless, without blemish. The devil tried his best to tempt Jesus to sin against God, but he was without sin. There was no sin in him. He was perfect. And he became the sacrificial lamb for me and you. And just as these lambs were sacrificed for the children of Israel that day, just as they were passed through the fire, Jesus Pass through the fire of God's wrath, enduring our judgment and taking our beating and taking our cross, taking our death upon himself. And Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, oh, what a fire that, the, that through which our Lord Jesus Christ passed, that he might become food for our souls, just like these Israelites ate these lambs in Egypt. Just as they sacrificed them and they feasted on them that night, we too must feast on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that sounds weird, doesn't it? It sounded weird to the people following Jesus when he said it. A bunch of them ran off and said, man, this guy's talking about eating his body and drinking his blood. He's crazy. But what he's talking about in John chapter 6, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. And notice, here in Exodus, they were supposed to feast on all the lamb, not just part of it. Couldn't leave any behind. They had to feast on every bit of it, all of it, eat it all. Likewise, we have to partake in every bit of Jesus Christ. And what do I mean? I mean, it's all or nothing. 
You're either all in, like we said before, or you're all out. There's not, not a little bit of Jesus. It's either you're all in for Jesus or you're not. And many people like the thought of hiding behind that blood. They like the thought of being saved from hell and being forgiven of their sins. But when it comes to having Jesus as your Lord and your King and having to be obedient to Him and living right, well, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I, I like going, the idea of going to heaven, but I don't know about living right. Spurgeon went on to say, not only Christ as your substitute, but Christ as your King. Not merely Christ to trust, but Christ to obey. He must be to you all that God sets him forth to be, or else he will be nothing at all. For the Israelites, they were to eat it in a hurry. Sandals on their feet, staff in their hand, ready to go. There was an immediacy about their situation. Now I want you to see this. There should be an immediacy about receiving Christ today. Folks, it is a matter of life and death if you receive Christ or not. A matter of heaven and hell. You've got to realize the seriousness of your situation. You, people say all the time, well, you know, maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll get right. I'll call you, preacher. We'll, we'll talk about this tomorrow. I'll get, I'll get right tomorrow. I'll get saved tomorrow. I'll come back next week to church, and I tell you, I'll come pray next week. You know, I'll come back. You know, maybe if I just go home and I get some things cleaned up in my life and get things right, you know, take care of a few things, and then I can come and get saved. Man, I can't promise you you'll have that option tomorrow. I can't promise you there's going to be a tomorrow, let alone a next week. And I can guarantee you, if you think you're going to wait till you get your life cleaned up to get right with God, it's never going to happen. But I can promise you this too. If you'll have Jesus right now, today, as the Bible says, today is the day of your salvation. If you'll have him right now, I promise you that you won't have anything to worry about. You don't have to worry about cleaning up your house and cleaning up your life and getting things just right. You don't got to worry about the mess. Why? Because the blood of the Lamb is enough. It's sufficient. The blood of that perfect, spotless Lamb of God is enough to cover a multitude of sins, the Bible says. You think you've done something that God can't forgive? You think you've done too much that God can't save you? There is no sin too great that the blood of Jesus cannot wash it away. Woo! So when God sees the blood in your life, He's going to pass over his judgment on you. Look at verse 12. Man, this is good. I love the Bible. Verse 12 says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. And if Pharaoh didn't know it, guess what? I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. And notice verse 13. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, 
I want you to just go back in time and put yourself in the shoes of these folks or the sandals of these folks. Just imagine this scene. Imagine when all this took place and, and, and you're doing all the preparations. You're going through the motions. Moses and Aaron come back and they tell you everything you got to do. Kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost and you do all that and finally the moment comes that night and you go into your house and you eat that sacrifice. You eat that lamb and you're sitting there as the sun goes down and you're just waiting. Maybe you've got your family huddled up around you. You're just waiting to see what happens. Imagine, just think of the faith that this took. Not in their work, not in the ceremonies, not in Moses or Aaron or anybody else, but really, as God says here in Exodus, it's faith in the blood. And they sat there that night, and you can just imagine, I don't know what time it was when the Lord came through. But you can just about imagine the sound of God or His angel coming through and going from house to house to house. And maybe you even hear it come by your door and see, inspect, is the blood there or not? And then as people began to realize those that didn't have the blood on their door, on their home, their firstborn is taken, is killed. And you begin to hear these mothers and these fathers cry out all throughout the land of Egypt, all the way to Pharaoh's palace when his son is killed. Imagine the fear. It would be terrifying. But then when faith blossoms and you realize God has passed over me, not because of I'm, I'm deserving of it, not because I'm good enough, but because of that blood. The Lord has spared me. Imagine how that fear turned into joy. All because of that blood. Today there's still only one thing that's going to save you. <laughs> it don't matter who mommy and daddy was. It didn't matter that they were of the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It don't matter if your grandpa was a preacher or anything like that. It doesn't matter. You won't be saved because you came to church enough. You're not going to be saved. When you get to the end of your life and you stand before God in judgment, un unlike what some people think, there's not going to be this big set of scales that comes out and they dump all your good deeds on one side and all your bad deeds on the other and you just hope that maybe my good outweighs my bad. It don't matter if you've given X amount of dollars to the church or charities over the course of your life. The only thing that that's going to save you, the only hope that you're going to have from eternal condemnation is the blood of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, does He see you for who you are? Does He see your filthy sin? Or does He look at you and He sees that precious blood applied to your life? If you don't believe me, look at Hebrews chapter 9 real quick with me this morning. If you want to understand these parts of the Old Testament better, read through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says this, But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with, with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once for all time, 
Not by the blood of goats and calves, but why? How? By his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh. Get this. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse our consciousness from dead work so that we can serve the living God? I want to bring all this together for you this morning because I know there's folks that are sitting here in this room today that need Jesus this morning. There's folks listening online this morning that need Jesus. And if you've never accepted Him, if you've never been saved, and you need to be saved, and maybe you're wondering if you can be even, can God save somebody like me? The Bible clearly says, right here in Hebrew, says that He has obtained your eternal redemption. And what it's saying is that just like this lamb that was sacrificed and God passed over these folks, He didn't kill them, He didn't judge them because of the blood of that lamb, Jesus Christ, God sent Jesus Christ, His Son, as the perfect lamb to die on the cross for your sins, to allow His blood to be poured out so that you can be saved and forgiven. Don't matter how long you've been telling him no. Don't matter how many things you've done wrong this week or even this morning. God can save you because, not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. He's purchased it. He's secured it, the Bible says. Your salvation with his own blood. And all you got to do today is accept it. <laughs> you just got to accept it. Just say, God, I'll, just like my baby boy prayed. God, I need to save. And God can save you today. You ain't got to buy it. You imagine the line. If we were selling salvation for $500, you imagine the line that would be lined up here, people giving their money to get saved. You ain't got to buy it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to know enough. You just come and, and, and receive it by faith. Faith that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough for God to save you. Just like these children of Israel were saved from God's judgment that night in Egypt. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I'm pleading with you to don't put it off anymore. It's too easy. I guarantee you, if you get saved this morning, you're never going to regret that decision. I've never met anybody that says, Man, I wish I'd never prayed that prayer. I wish God never saved me baloney. It ain't going to happen. And if you get saved, ain't nobody in this church going to look down their nose at you and just look wonder what all they did. We've all done something. We all need God's grace. And the only thing that we want to do as a church family is celebrate with you this morning. Stand together let me pray for you. Oh, God. Lord, as we've read this passage of Scripture this morning, Lord, God, we can't help but be so thankful for that precious blood that you've shed for us. Lord, so long ago you made a plan to send your son Jesus 
to die for us and to save us. God, it humbles me that from the beginning of time you planned a way for me to be saved and for everybody else here to be saved if they just receive that salvation in faith. God, there's people here that desperately need you. And Lord, I just pray this morning that your spirit would draw them to you. God, I pray that you would convict sin. I pray that people could feel your love. God, you don't want to send anybody to hell. You don't want to judge anybody. You're, you have displayed your love through Jesus Christ. And this morning, God, we just need to break over and accept it. So God, for someone here that needs that this morning, I pray they'd come and they'd meet Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.